Hello and welcome to The Dom Thug, a family podcast about a still alive and kicking football club. And it wasn't pretty and the last two weeks in many respects have been a little bit disappointing. But we got the two wins, we're still here, they fared well to champion, we celebrated 400 games of which our coach has only been around for 21 of those or 22 of those. But we beat North Melbourne in their second grand final of the year. And with two games to go, the season is still alive. Laura, what did you think about that? It was ugly. It was ugly. Very ugly. Um, But got the win, got it done, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was good. Mm -hmm. And two games to go. Look, there's no way we're going to beat Collingwood in two weeks. Um, just saying. I have a little theory on that. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, but yeah. Um, big game this week against the Giants. Mm. Yeah, um, the Bulldogs losing, you know, keeps our season alive a little bit. It is going to come down to the wire. But it was ugly. It was ugly. And I don't think that playing the way they played or have been playing over the last eight weeks or so, I don't think it's a team that is, if they make finals, if they just scrape in, it's going to be bad. Well, I mean, this is this is something to talk about a little bit later, but I've been on the ladder predictor and it actually is not of as bad. Of course you have. It's not as bad as it could have been a couple of weeks ago. Why do you <laughs> get on this? Like, what are you, are you bipolar or something? Seriously, <laughs> one minute... You're losing your mind. The next minute, oh, we're going to make finals and it's going to be great. Well, isn't that just the life of an Essendon supporter? Isn't that just the life of a football nuffy? It's the life of one Nick Gentile is what it is. Come on. We, we host a very bad Essendon Football Club podcast. If you don't get – if this is not the height of nuffiness – I don't know what he's made. So, of course, I've been a little bit of a predictor. Of course, I've been going through all the permutations. Of course, I've been looking at what happens if we manage to uh, sneak in. And, all right, so humour me. What happens? Well, speaking of sneaking in, look who's just slid into our DMs. Oh, Maddie oh, in the house. We are on we are, air. Jeez, you, don't, you, don't, you can't do this in the uh this is seldomly done in most podcasts, just the guest appearing out of nowhere. Here we are, a bit like uh, the w, you know, on the WWE when they, the Royal Rumble, I don't know what I'm saying, just out of nowhere where the, you know, the song comes on and time to play the game. And here we are. Here we are. So we're just discussing uh, that I've been on a letter predictor, Matthew. And that's something oh, we we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode. We've got to get through reviewing this game first which we've decided was quite ugly and mm. uh, hard to watch. But I am The Don as... Father loved it, didn't he? He loved the positivity coming out of yourself. He did. He did. He did. I'm surprised he didn't throw down and walk away, although what? he was in his own home, so he couldn't go anywhere. Who were we playing Geelong that time? Remember he cracked oh my it God. and just got up on the left. He did. <laughs> about about fifteen minutes into the first quarter, he just got up and left. And, and I reckon he would have done that if it wasn't on Ko, and he knew how to watch it somewhere else. Somewhere else. That's right. That's right. Um, I, I reckon. Um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll turn that Geelong game off pretty quickly. I won't lie. I, being the nuffy that I am, watched every single minute of it. That's a lie. You left early to go and pick up Ash. I watched every single minute of it. What? I hope no policemen are watching, uh, listening, because I actually had it on in the car and listened <gasps> to it on the way to pick it up. On the radio, but you weren't, you didn't, you weren't watching it. I, I felt at, up. I'm playing yeah, that's the radio okay. You had the ox caught in. That's fine. Bluetooth on. As long as you weren't viewing anything, you're all good. I was I'm pretty not. sure he's saying he was viewing. Just uh, saying. No, no, he was not. He was not on the record <laughs> officially. You were not viewing. I was listening. I was listening. Anyway, so I'm a little bit less down on this game. Uh, let me read you a couple of stats, right? So average age was exactly the same between the two teams, 24 years and 11 months. Average games, one team was 98.1 and one team was 84.4. Who would you think was which? Essendon was 84.4. That's right. So we had nine players, 50 games or less. Uh, They had eight. We had five players, 50 to 99. They had six. We had seven, 100 to 149. They had five. We had zero in 150 to 200. They had one. And then they had three at 200 or more. And we Who else was at 200? Two. Ben Cunnington. Ben Cunnington, oh, Goldstein. Goldstein. Uh, and I'll just run through this. Zeebel. Um, oh, yeah. But whereas we that only probably had... brings their average way up. If you take those three outliers out. Of well, that, that's why we look one. at the breakdown. We actually had more in less than 50 games. So when you put that into context, bearing in mind that we are also taking out um, really established midfielders and quite quite explosive game breakers in uh, Setterfield, Steel, Stringer, and then our number one Ruckman in Draper, I felt even though the game was ugly and messy, we actually, I think that the margin flattered North Melbourne, if I'm very honest. That, to me, felt like a four to five goal win. That just happened to be nine points, if that makes sense to you guys. Mm. I think if you discount the first quarter, I would agree. That I felt that we were in control of that game for the vast majority of it. Um, and I think... The reason the margin flattened them was was two things. Two late goals that they kicked uh, were both from stoppages in the forward 50. And both times, uh, not that I wanted to pot Elijah Sardis because he's playing his second game, but he didn't follow his man. And it was his man that then created either kick the goal or created the, the clearance to get it to uh, Cunnington to kick the goal. So, And that's not saying that. You know, we should drop Sardison. He's a terrible player. It's the fact that it was his second game. And late in a game, they're going to make mistakes like that. So for me, uh, and on top of that, the fact that they were so efficient going forward, North Melbourne, uh, what did they kick for the game? They kicked 12-5 for the game. So very efficient when they actually got their shots. Uh, What did we kick? We kicked 13-8. So Not terrible. Look, I think I'm more pleased with that performance than the week before against West Coast. Mm. Mm. 
Are you, is I, this where I, I chime in or uh, you're still going, Laura? No, you go ahead. Sorry, that, that actually sounded very dismissive. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I wasn't no, I speaking, did, Matthew. I, I didn't. So I didn't mean it that way. I uh, I was just. I didn't know if I was being led there to make a comment. But uh, sorry, my, my apologies on air. That was actually that didn't come out how I intended. So my apologies. Formally. Apology accepted. Thank you. Go ahead. Look, all Get I got to say about opinion. the game is uh, it was a, it was a shit win, but it was a win. That that's mm. all I can really say about it. Mm. Um, we got the job done. Sometimes you win ugly. Did I? Do I love the fashion in which we won? No. Did I think? You know, we, there's still some areas where we're getting found out. Um, yes. Uh, do, do I think the brand we're playing right at the moment holds up against? Uh, well, potentially not GWS, but but Collingwood. I'm a bit concerned. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not I, too much to say about it, but... I, I agree. Like, I don't think the brand that we're playing right now will hold up against GWS, let alone against Collingwood. I think it's, I think it's quite poor, uh, and I think it comes down to levels of pressure, and it comes down to our ability to efficiently enter our forward line. I think if we start to sharpen up our decision-making going forward and actually hit some good targets and we get Peter Wright into some semblance of marking form, uh, then I think we have a chance of winning the next two. But there are some big asks with uh, two weeks to go in the home away season. Yeah, Peter Wright. Sorry. You go for it. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. Okay, all right, I'm on. Uh, <laughs> not look, P- Peter's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, he seems to have, well, he obviously came back from injury uh, on fire. We don't um, seem to be getting the Peter Wright we got last year. So one can expect that he's still sort of just finding his feet post-injury and, and rhythm. Mm. Um, mm. But he still manages to pop up for two or three a game against Sydney. Four, like, um, yeah. he he certainly raised the ceiling on what his worst is. Um, yeah, and I, and I actually think that the delivery is potentially more the issue than um, necessarily his performance. Yeah, you're right. His his four is much higher than it was. Uh, I agree completely. It's just that last year these games, the opportunities that he's been getting, he probably would have kicked. Five or six. Same against Sydney, right? He kicked four, but probably last year that would have been a seven-goal game. And yeah, okay. it's just we just need to get him back into preseason and getting confident in his body again. To be honest, uh, and and you're right, the delivery into the forward line is not helping, and the decision making in the forward line is not helping. But if we're going to do anything this season, we we need to turn around in form from him. And previously from Wiedemann. Uh but I, I can't see Wiedemann getting getting his way back into the team. You're not dropping Peter Wright for Wiedemann on exposed form, that's for sure. No, you're not. Um, but I, I I also wonder if uh, like we we seem to be with our ball movement. Well, at times, right? We seem to have two distinct gears of 
Foreman can break lines and take the game on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, like I, and even when we do that, we still seem to resort to like a, a bombing long scrappy kick rather than that sort of not necessarily clean out, but it, it's a lot less dangerous when it's just thrown on the boot versus it's a sort of a kick to space for some smalls to run onto. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think when we play that really organized, slower tempo, uh, we're, we're, we're depriving Peter Wright any chance mm. of having success. Um, and, and even when we do play faster, we still seem to inevitably have to uh, throw it on the boot at some stage. Again, depriving him of having a real chance of success. Mm. Um, if he's playing on a decent defender, they're going to eat that up. So, I agree. Like, yeah, I actually think maybe, he, yeah, his issues aren't just him, but um, what he's receiving as well. Mm. No, I, I agree. I, I think the main issue is our entry into the forward line. And it, it was a little bit better in patches on Saturday, but still not anywhere near where it needs to be. We got a little bit more out of uh, Nick Martin. He'd, he'd been down for a couple of weeks, and I think maybe he's grown into that wing half-forward role. And his disposal, you know, he got uh, a number of score assists. Uh, he kicked three himself. So I was really quite pleased with his return to form. But I was, I mean, you were watching the game with me, Laura. There were several times when I would just go bananas because they would kick it to one option when there was a clear better option somewhere else and end up in a turnover or a Mackay market or it come straight back out. And you're like, why, as AFL footballers, are you making such bad decisions when you're hitting this target 30 metres away when you had one 20 metres in clear space? I think it's their decision-making under pressure, and I think that comes with experience. I think it's just that the fact that they're young and their inexperience is showing that they don't have the composure to maybe widen their, their view and see mm. a better option. They're just really trying to get rid of the ball quickly to try and avoid maybe being tackled or caught with the ball and so they're making these poor decisions, whereas if they took the time to slow down and have a look, they might make a better choice. But mm. I think that will come with experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, look, I, I think for so long in football, um, we've, there's such an attitude of like um, being really clean with skills and really making perfect decisions every time or good decisions most of the time and not turning the ball over and really being clean with everything. And um, I actually think the way the game is going, particularly with the, the speed that it's played at and the discipline in structures, um, the side who embraces the chaotic nature of the game the best wins, I reckon. Like the one who can deal with it not being as clean and just moving the ball fast so that the defense can't set up its structures, wins the mm. game. Um, and so I, I wonder, yeah, okay, maybe. And, and there is a lot of inexperience on the field. I mean, you, you look at the names, um, Hobbs, Caldwell, Perkins, uh, Zerk, obviously Brian was running around, um, Sardis, list goes on. Um, Langford's only, only coming in to himself now. We, we can keep going, Menzi. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it, 
I don't know if the next stage of their development, the way the game is now currently, is about being the cleanest side ever. Like I just, I don't think the game's going that way. I think it's actually mm-hmm. going in. Who can sort of just deal with the chaos the best, mm-hmm. and and just move on the fly and deal with the sort of chaoticness? Who who can embrace that the most? I I, mm-hmm. I think that's why Collingwood are on top at the moment. I think mm-hmm. they just embrace chaos the the best. Yeah, I think. You're, I think you're right, but I don't think we're playing in a way conducive to create chaos, and we don't have the quality forward of the ball to capitalise on chaos. Hmm. Maybe, yeah. Oh, you know, you, you may have to be really organised first before you can be good at chaos. Mm, yeah, no, I agree. And have some sort of organised chaos, if that is what you mean. Um, I'm joking, I'm joking. But um, this has been sort of a hallmark of, of our poor form since the bye, is that the ball will go in poorly in a chaotic manner, but we either don't have the strength in the air to bring the ball to ground, or when we do, we don't have the smart roving pressure forwards to keep it in there, to lock it in there, to capitalise on that. And I think, is that a, a list management issue? Is that a structure issue? Is that an application issue? And that's something that I'm sure they're all working on and, and they're trying to get right because for long periods of the season, in fact, the first 13 rounds, we looked like a really efficient, high-scoring defensive team. And something there is not connecting and not gelling and we need to get that back. And for me, it looks like that pressure in the forward line is not where it was earlier in the year. Mm. Okay, yeah, pot- yeah. Potentially. Um, I think earlier in the year, our forward entry quality was a little bit cleaner, which makes it Easier, and, and there's also because teams didn't know us, right? They, didn't, they hadn't figured mm. us out yet. Mm. Um, like w- when your ball comes in in a controlled fashion, as a small forward, mm. speaking uh, as a small forward, albeit at a much lower level than the AFL, um, you 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 already know what's going to happen. Like, and, mm. and at those levels, they have the IQ to know that. Okay, we're coming in this way. Look, I'm not I'm not a chance to get this ball. Um, I got to start setting up for defence this mm. way, uh, or uh, I'm going to put myself in the position to be at the next kick um, because if that drops where and I don't get it, I know exactly where I need to be, um, you know, to, to, to pressure the opposition. Mm. When it doesn't come in ideally, uh, you're sort of chasing your tail a bit. And I, and I reckon mm. the closer it gets to 50-50, the more it suits it. Like the defense just always seems in footy, defense just always, and probably in most games really, when it's 50-50, the defense wins, right, because they, all they've got to do is get the ball away. Mm. Um, so I, I yeah, a, like I, I actually think it's an offense, not helping our defense. Like I, mm. I don't think it's an intent thing. I don't think it's a structural thing. I think it's just yeah, the, the two rely on each other, and and when one's down, the other suffers as well. So mm. Mm. that's how I see it. So if we look at the picture of the game, it seems to me that we got smashed in clearances, but in fact. There was only a difference of, of five clearances, and they and centre clearances were, were even. But I think where that issue was that 
those five clearances ended up in goals for them because they were forward 50 clearances. And again, that I think is what made the margin flatter North Melbourne, is that we actually were pretty good around the grounds. It's just they had some knack in this game to win forward 50 clearances and score from them. And you take those five goals away and they, when it was coming from end-to-end or from centre bounces, our defence looked really solid um, and was able to sort of play the way that we wanted and, and have our influence on the game. And that kind of leads me into my first like. And that was Kane Baldwin. I think yep. this young man was well overdue another game, was very unlucky to be dropped after the Richmond game. And what I liked about him in particular, he only ended up with eight disposals. But his kicking, yeah, his wow. kicking is such a weapon. He His field kicking, um, they talk about it, Paul Cousins talks about it a lot in, in the podcast that he's on. He jumps on the sash, he jumps on the lunchtime catch-up podcast and I'm sure many others. Um, and he's talking, he talks about how in the VFL he sets up so much play with his kicking. And that was very evident on Saturday because those eight kicks, I reckon four or five of them set up scoring chains and they were so straight, so damaging, uh, so aggressive that I think we're just going to keep him in the, in the team for that aspect of the game, his game alone, let alone his good defensive group. Yeah, I, I was, I was. Look, I, I said it when when he got dropped the first time. I was quite surprised. Like I actually thought he did enough that he might actually force Stan Laverta to have to come through the VFL. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's how good I reckon he went um, mm. at at the level. Albeit um, he, he had a pretty tough day against Brisbane as well. In terms of matchup, right? So, for me, um, yeah, he 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 is AFL quality. He is AFL mm. quality. Um, there is no doubt about that for me. So, mm. he is, um, yeah, he he can play the game. He can play yeah. the game. And I was just thinking to next year, right? That if we're playing Kim and Ridley together, you've got two really good kicks coming out of defence. And that is such a powerful thing for setting up your ball movement going from end to end. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's a, this is a, a problem we, we have got. <laughs> and it's a, probably a similar issue in the midfield, which is really good. Midfield and half forward. Um, we've actually got too many guys <laughs> to, to mm. pick from. Um, oh, yeah. yeah I, I th- and I actually think that's why potentially Jake Kelly has had to go up the ground is because can't fit in our back line at the moment. Um, oh, I, I don't know. Maybe we just need an, an extra winger. We want to play Nick Martin more forward, although I think I think that's that's a bad decision given he's that good on the wing. But mm. I I think personally, and I don't know what you think about this, Laura, I think personally we're carrying Nick Cox for the sake of getting games into him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that's what's pushing Jake Kelly up the ground is because we're trying to get Nick Cox into a position where he's more comfortable playing more of his natural game. And I don't, and this is, again, he's not um, trying to insult Nick Cox, but I just don't think he's doing enough to keep his spot. But the club have realised that, hey, we actually just need to get games into this guy. And if that means, and, and Brad Scott's talked about this um, all year, 
if that's sacrificing the short term for the long term, that's what he's going to go with. And I think, in my opinion, that's the reason that we've seen Jake Kelly being played out of position because they're simply getting games into Nick Cox, which I'm okay with. Mm, I do feel like they're gifting him games because I, I feel like in over the last few weeks, there's definitely been, like, if I was going to choose, I would have Kane Baldwin in over Nick Cox for sure. And mm. I would have Jake Kelly in the back line where he does his best work. So mm. I agree. I do think that they are getting games into him. Is it costing the team? I don't know if you would go that far, but is it the best choice, in my opinion? Well, for the short term, no. But I guess if their long-term goal is to develop, to develop him as a player, then I guess the answer is yes. Mm. Well, he's had 12 disposals, uh, three inside 50s. Um, but of his disposals, seven clangers. So more than half were clangers. Yeah, right. So, and look, I I think you just get games into him. I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't think we're, even if we make finals, we're not going to do a whole lot in it. I think he's missed such, such huge chunks of football that we've just got to get games and just let him play. And the step up from VFL to AFL is so big that I would rather carry him uh, and in the hope that it bears fruit, you know, six, 12 months from now. So then where do you think that leaves someone like Jake Kelly then? So this is a different discussion with Jake Kelly. And Matthew, I'm interested to see your, your opinion. But there was just some very un-Jake Kelly-like moments on the weekend, uh, where particularly one where the ball was in the middle of the ground and... From the view that we had on TV, he just didn't hit the contest hard enough. Well, he didn't hit the contest at all. He kind of stopped before there was a contest. And I've just seen a couple of instances like that, that maybe he's a little bit injured or maybe he's worried about further concussions or something like that, which it's just very un-Jake Kelly-like. And I think if he is not going to be playing at his best for whatever reason, whether that is a psychological issue or whether that's a physical issue, I just don't think he should be playing. And particularly uh, not in a position where he's not at his best, which is as a lockdown defender. I really like Jake Kelly. I have a lot of time for Jake Kelly and I'm happy that he's in the team when he's playing in his natural position and when he's hitting contests hard like he has been previously in the last few weeks. What are your guys' thoughts? Mm. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Concussion definitely changed. Like it's not like mm. how it used to be, where you, you know, it's ah, you'll be right. Like, um, if you you got half, a, I mean, sort of pardon the pun here, but if you got half a brain about it, you, you, you know, um, the risks that concussion brings. Mm. Um, mm. and 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 I, you know, and I'm sure you two are the same with your allied health backgrounds. Um, very appreciative of the. Um, efforts the AFL mm-hmm. at least seem to be making to reduce uh, the impact of concussion in the game. Make no mistake, it is all for litigation purposes. Oh, it is not because okay. they genuinely care. It is so that they're covering their ass. But anyway, the result is yeah. the same, that players are getting looked after better. Yeah. Um, I, I think with things like this, um, it's, it's, it's a hard one. Like, I... I and, and Matthew Lloyd said this as well, I think on the Sunday footy show. I can't remember if it was 2004, but there's a mark where Jonathan Brown 
is running back with the flight and he, yeah. he takes a mark and he runs into someone and, you know, so much of the traditional football message is that's just so courageous. Mm. But really, if, if you take a step away from the traditional football side and you look at that, you're like, that's just stupid. Like, it's, it's you, had, you had a teammate running out watching the ball the whole time. Um, you, you, you took a great mark, but you also ruined, you know, your teammate who was in the right spot. Yeah. He was better off, even though he would have been labelled, quote-unquote, a coward. Um, he was better off m- missing that one and, and letting his teammate um, take the mark. And I, I can't remember if the teammate actually went off for the rest of the day with concussion or an injury. But, mm. okay, John O'Brien, let's say he did. John O'Brien took the mark, but now your team's down. They're down a, a substitution for the day, right? And, like, mm. okay, we've got, we got, we got the green vest in, in our game. My point being, I don't think it's the end of the world if a player, for the sake of their own health and well-being and, and, and not getting injured for the day, does ta- and, and, and context dependent on everything, um, but if you have to back out of something because you're about to get hit in the head, and it means you're going to be on for the rest of the day. Depending on where it is and the, and the nature of it, don't mind if you take half a step. Don't yeah, mind. I agree. I agree. This wasn't that, though. This was, okay. this was players running towards a contest and letting the – and he, he could have gotten to the ball first in, from what I saw and could have protected – he had time to get down, pick it up, protect himself, and he just didn't. Um, so for whatever reason – and, I mean – that this thing happens on football fields all the time, so it's not like he's the only one, or you know, we've never done that or whatever. And who knows what was going through his head at the time? He might have been thinking, "Oh, I've got to come off now" or whatever, and wasn't quite concentrating. Might you know? I'm not suggesting for a second that uh, he's not courageous, um, but it was just something interesting that he's being played out of position. He seems to be protecting himself a little bit. What I, I just wonder what's going on. Maybe he's injured. Yeah, and and if if they're trying to protect him, even though he's injured, surely we're better off playing someone else. Surely it's better getting more time into someone else, like a Wanganeen or something like that. Particularly if he's playing wing and forward. Mm, yeah, maybe. I don't, yeah, don't know. Mm. Um, like I, I don't think. Even though we do want to get games into young guys, I don't think Scott is still like, oh, we'll, we'll just play him. Yeah. I, uh, he's like, no, we're going to take him best 22. But if it's like in between, we take the younger guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, like, I, I actually, I, I fear for Tex Wanganin. I don't know what, he's, uh, what it sort of looks like for him um, post this year, given he hasn't gotten on the park. Um, he, he missed all of preseason. Uh, okay. He was in, he was injured all the preseason, and he's just getting back into some really good form. Kicked four goals last week, but I think he's averaged one and a half goals in sort of the five or six weeks before that, and he's actually looking really good in the twos. Okay, so okay, this is just an end of time. Get yeah, right. okay. yeah, I think you, I think you'll be okay. I he, let me put it this way, he wouldn't be the one I would be delisting. Okay. Speaking about this the other day, you threw a di- mm. you threw a different name around. Hmm. What, in terms of delisting? Mm. Our favourite, uh, AMT. 
No, I think he'd retire. I think he'd retire. I, he look. I I had the impression that they were getting him ready for the the back bit of the season, but he hasn't really come in, and and he's been fit for a number of weeks. So I'm not sure what what the plan is with A and T. No, I, I actually think he, he's probably got to do another preseason. Mm. Yeah, they might keep him around for another preseason. Yeah, that's for sure. Like, let's he he went from. Well, let's face it. Like it would have been in very, very, very average shape. Mm. Like would would have been probably average at a at a local club. Mm. So then playing an AFL or part of an AFL game, uh, in round one, and got two, injured, and then got injured, came back from and a lower leg injury or a lower half injury as well. Um, and, you know, also getting used to the rigors of football again. Mm. I, I reckon if if he's going to call time. Now's not the time to do it unless he's he's checked out. And then obviously, yeah, okay. Um, mm. But I think if he's still in it, we with the upside he's got, um, got to have a full preseason. Let him mm. have a full preseason, and then make a decision if he's still got it or not. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. So I just want to touch on a couple of things before we kind of uh, move on to previewing next week. Um, I was really pleased with the way that we closed out the game. I felt that even when it got sort of down to three points, we had the composure and the control to move the ball uh, comfortably, efficiently, um, and get it to Perkins. And Perkins obviously stood up and, and took his moment. Um, very happy with his the way his season has been building and building and he's not really doing anything flashy he's just turning up and performing each week and i think really good reward for effort he's playing uh, his role yeah how did you guys feel you you saw sort of the back half of the last quarter i i thought that we were composed mm. under pressure like if you compare mm. the port adelaide game mm. yeah i felt like we were composed when we were starting to be under pressure thought so um, your whipping boy for the season, Matt Guelphy, did a couple of good things in that yeah, last he, part of that last quarter. His last quarter was really good. His first three were, were, in my opinion, pretty poor, but his last quarter was really good. There was several moments of smothered tackles, pressure. Yeah, mm -hmm. he, he really he turned it around in that last quarter. Mm -hmm. I thought Phillips had a good game. Yeah, let's touch on Phillips. Obviously retired on Tuesday after we recorded on Monday. Mm. I personally am a little bit sad because I just wanted him to get to 100 games. Mm. And I think his perseverance of his career deserved 100 games. Like, in my opinion, he he's every football fan's avatar that is the person that gets through a career sort of being on the fringes and he's just 100% professionalism and 100% effort all of the time and got the absolute most out of himself. And again, on the weekend, his return to form sort of late in the year, he had a lean patch sort of midway through the year. Um, but he's the kind of person that I want at my football club forever. Did you guys watch his, um, his retirement speech and then what Brad Scott said after? I literally consume every bit of media that this football club puts out. All right. Well, so then you would know, like, I think, because I, I was suspicious 
that he might have been told that he didn't have a spot next year or something. But it actually genuinely looks like it was a decision that he'd made for himself, that he was done and that he wanted to go back to Tassie with his family. And, you know, Mm. maybe there's something going on that is calling him back there. Mm. But I think he really summed it up so well in that, you know, he spoke about that perseverance and and that fight to to keep playing. And I guess Mm. when, when Brad Scott spoke about him and said, you know, it it would be hard playing your career, always being told you're number two and to keep showing up and giving your best week in, week out, knowing that you're probably never going to be the first option um, would be really tough and show the resilience that I think, you know, a lot of people maybe don't have or maybe a lot of people do have and can relate to. And I think for him... Going out, as Brad Scott said, having like one his breakout season, that's a big call for him, mm. you know. But, and I just think, like, I have a lot of respect for him as a player and as a person. Yeah, and I think people forget the context. Let, let's put his career into context, right? I played school footy with a kid called Tom Roach, who, and also with a kid called Dan Jackson, and. Tom Roach got drafted father-son to Richmond, and he was by far the best football player at our school and would just take the P1 double five uh, out of opposition teams that he played against, right? And he, I think, managed... 21 or 22 games of football, of professional football. And and he was clearly the best. There's no question how good he was. And to think that Andrew Phillips got, you know, 80-odd games out of his career, he would be in the top 4 or 5% of footballers across the country of all time. To, to have eked out 80 games. Like, that's the kind yeah. of career that anyone listening to this podcast, apart from all the players, current players that listen to this podcast, that is a career that I would have given anything to have. That's a career that Matthew would have given anything to have. That's a career, well, I don't know what, if you had any dreams of playing football, Laura. But every no. junior footballer would have given anything to have an 80-game career across 12 years across three football clubs. There's no question. Um, and the fact that we... We have bias because the players that we remember and see are actually the very, very elite, the James Hurds, those ones, the ones that go and play 100, 200, 300 games are so few when you look at the context of even just professional footballers that make it to the AFL. So 80 games is an incredible career for anyone when you put it in the right context. And I'm I'm really glad that he played his best football at Essendon because I have a lot of time for Andrew Phillips and I just wish him hung around to get to 100 games. Mm. 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 Yeah, one of the great... Uh, thing about servicemen, it's, it's probably uh, ever ever dependable. Look, I, I don't know um, if he was lauded as much amongst Carlton and GWS fans as he was at Essendon, but, uh, yeah, ever dependent. Um, yeah, it was sort of nice. No, okay, Drapes goes down. Oh, we, we, you know, Phillips coming in, that's fine. Mm. You know, um, well, even as a, you know, probably 
um, stage throughout the year. They were a bit of a combo. So um, hmm. drillips, as um, as um, Draper had on his Insta story when um, when Andrew Phillips announced his retirement, they were they were well, a good they were a good pair earlier this season, weren't they? Drillips and now Fryan. Fryan. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that one. Yeah. Yep. Um. There we go. But um. Yeah, I, I think uh, we're we're gonna have a bit of an issue next year. Phil, Phil and, uh, he's he's gonna leave a bit of a hole. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Like, even I if wonder Brian though. Goes to number two, like it's not. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, it's well, yeah. I feel like I feel like Brian has shown, you know, he's he's got what it takes, and I guess they'll probably um do what they did a little bit on Saturday and put. Uh, Peter Wright in the in the ruck as well, if needed. I so this I was going to talk about this in sort of the next segment that I'm looking forward to next week. But I think our best forward setup, personally, is one key forward, Peter Wright. Uh, then Langford is the the second forward with Stringer, and then we have a resting ruck. So I think you play both Draper and Brian next year. I I don't think we get value out of two key forwards. So I don't think we get value out of Wiedemann and Wright in the team. Um, I think we're better off playing Langford, Stringer, Peter Wright and a resting ruck and then having the other ruck run around and, and do the tap work. Mm. Uh, yeah, you never know. So, I mean, but you never know. Pat Voss, Pat, like Pat Voss, the way he started in the VFL this year, has obviously quieted mm. down a little bit. Team's probably struggling as well, but you never know what another preseason does for him. So, yeah, and we might um, we might just get Brody Grundy and get Melbourne and Collingwood to play. Maybe. Imagine, Maybe. yeah. Um, Imagine but, that. Like, Grundy, yeah, Anzac Day again, battling for the other team. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't think he'd be the right. He, he wouldn't be the right guy to get. No, him. I'm just. I'm just oh, look, I, I I think it may come into conversation, but um, and this is a different conversation, but it mm. it, it generally it's rare to find. A second or third ruck who is just a second or third ruck. They're not. He's not an up and coming. Uh, he's not a. Um, you know, he's not like trying to be a number one. He, like Phillips, probably went to any other club, he wouldn't be a number one ruck. He's just a really, mm. really good second. Mm. Um, and it's hard to find. Mm. It's hard to find. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, Melbourne tried it and it's not working, right? Yeah, mm. but that's because they've got two number one rucks. Yeah, yeah I guess. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Like it's is um like West Coast probably had it with Vardy and Hickey. There's there's a level of humility I think you need to have. Absolutely. Uh, and it's a bit like goalkeeping in soccer, right? Where there's only one of them. Very rarely is there two in the team, and very rarely does any club invest in two really good quality goalkeepers. And so you do get these people that spend their career just being backup goalies. And and is it better to be a backup goalie at a big club or a number one goalie, you know, in a lower league? That's that's a question that only the players can answer themselves. Mm. Yeah. Uh, um, well, in AFL, it's, it's pretty, it's, you know, you play AFL, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. So I just want to touch on a couple of other things before we, we take a break and move on. Uh, Zach Merritt. Obviously, tagged out of the game. What I really like about Zach Merritt is even when he's not getting hands on the football, he influences the game. He influences it with his tackling. He influences it with his pressure. And so the guys in Fox footy were frothing over the fact that this North Melbourne 
scrub was keeping Mary out of the game. Uh, but I, in my opinion, he was still influencing. He was still having a really big impact without getting the ball. And no sooner had they said, oh, Zach Merritt hasn't done much, and he bobs up in the pocket, kicks it over his shoulder and sets up a goal. So, um, you know, for a different reason, really pleased with his performance once again. But, you know, Zach Merritt doing Zach Merritt things, right? Mm-hmm. He's the man. He's mm. the man. The man, the myth, the legend. Mm. Do you guys have anything you want to touch on before we jump forward? I have I have something I want to touch on, and mm. I know this is an Essendon podcast. Oh god! But <laughs> I have big respect for Ben Cunnington. I oh, think god. we should talk about his his retirement um, and what he's been through over the last few years. So to to play two hundred and thirty eight um, games. You can I think you can have respect. For on this play, played 238 games over 14 seasons and fought Kent twice in mm-hmm. time. You know, I, I really, I'm glad Essendon won, but I'm also glad that he had such a good game and kicked two goals and and went out somewhat on a high respect that he deserves after his career and his life battle. Especially when he got so lucky to be at such a terrible yeah. Um, yeah. Like, doesn't he just look like the quintessential middle-aged country footballer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he's, but he, <laughs> he looked a really great career for a long, long period of time. And just a contested football maestro. And a couple of years ago, there was talk that we, well, talk on on. Certainly in our group, if not on our pod, that we should try and poach him out of north and, and get a couple of years out of him because that was an area we were really lacking in. Um, but yeah, yeah, well done on an amazing career. Yeah, for that, full credit to the man. Full credit to that. Yeah, yeah he's been great. So uh, yeah, enjoy. Yeah, well, he will enjoy have... retirement. But um... yeah, back to the farm, never to be seen again, is what the commentator said. Yeah, don't blame him either. Um, I'd, Speaking I'd, of legends of the game, sorry, Maddie, to interrupt. You had your own big game against an Essendon legend over the weekend. Oh yeah, how did that? How did that pan out? I'm dying <laughs> to know how you went. Two questions: How did you go coaching against the one Joe Watson? Number two: Did you actually get to meet and speak to the great man? I did. Um, this is yeah. Uh, did you invite him on the pod? Thanks. Now, now all my professional uh, clout I had has just been undermined because uh, inevitably he'll be tagged. And uh, um... <laughs> oh, no, no, we'll, we'll, ask our, we'll ask our social yeah. media manager to she's, not tag she's him. She's absolutely tagging him because we want him on the pod. Yes, 1,000%. Oh. Tell us all. I'm being dying to know. No, like, oh, I was lucky to coach against... Um, uh, Job in a in a school football game, a representative game. Did you uh, win? We lost by ten points. So, oh, did uh, you outcoach him though? Look, I, given I think they we, lost by ten points, I'm going to guess the answer is no. Not well. Yeah, I'll, I'll say. Um, I, I think that their their school system probably bats deeper in football than ours does. So, I'll I'll, I'll give. I feel like your school's a little bit more badminton and table tennis 
kind of heavy than football. (laughs) That is so racist. (laughs) But accurate. Uh, Look, yeah, um, I I think, well, that's not true. I mean, soccer is very strong uh, in our comp, hockey uh, as well. Um, Your school's not known for their AFL prowess. No, there's probably one, one or two, one or two that are, but yeah, most of them, yeah, with with the bigger football programs, um, the the other you know schools on the other side. So yeah, they they dwarf they dwarf um, most programs in our league. But um, yeah, look, oh, oh, okay, all right. Well, if he is listening, this will be hilarious. <laughs> but uh, no, look, I was before the game. I was um, there's a guy he coached with who who also. Uh, play at the top level. Really, really good guy. Really good. Um, What's his name? Uh, I, I am. Uh, I'll just say uh, key de- premiership key defender. Uh, Rhymes with. I don't know. I, I don't feel it's right to to premiership for who? Uh, Which teams? Uh, the black and white. So I am. Uh, no, it wasn't him. No. I'll leave it's it there. It's not but... Scott Pendlebury because he coaches with Matthew Lloyd at a different school. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's, let's, um, this is like charades. Come on. Give us I'm a little to, game. I'm keeping a bit of space between my private life and the, and the, uh, the podcast. Yes. But no one I, listens anyway, Matthew. They do. We, we've got people and we appreciate all of them. Oh, but look, Black and white, day, premiership I, defender. I was, I was talking Sounds like to, how many syllables? Um, the, one of the other coaches of the other opposition, I'd, I'd met him previously. Um, you know, great guy, and then um, yeah, installed Job, and you know, said a lot to him, and you know, we sort of eye contact, and he's like, you know, "G'day, Were mate." Were you fangirling? Oh, it, on the inside, uh, the, I think it was like. How was dust- Nathan Brown? <laughs> great guy. <laughs> he, he's an, he's an awesome guy. He really is. Um, very handsome. <laughs> great operator. He is. He's a great operator. Um, very, very yeah, down to earth, jovial sort of guy. So all time in the world for him. Um, even though I've only met him twice. But did you yeah, have love hard eyes for Job? Oh, look, internally I was I was I was certainly screaming, but I, I think like it's a duck in the water. The feet are going quickly underneath and just calm on top. So sort of walk over. I think it was calm on top. <laughs> Oh, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, continue. He gave, uh, you know, he walked over, gave Nathan a handshake. We sort of locked eyes and, oh, good day, mate, Matt. And he's like, yep, Job, how you going? Yeah, good, good. And good. you're like, I know who you are, mate. No, I've, I, 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 in my head, I'm like, I know who you are. <laughs> I, I, I've only been a member for 20 years, but uh, no, I was, you sort of just play those ones off. Oh, yeah. I've never seen you before. You don't know who you are. Yeah, just just. Oh, I think I think they look. You, you, they'd appreciate it. Um, mm. Not being, I, I assume, I assume. Well, I feel yeah. like he's quite a humble, humble guy, and so would appreciate the lack of fangirling, even though you had those massive love heart eyes going like this. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, yeah. that was a visual yeah. on an audio um, medium. Yeah. Oh, you can think of the emoji, but. Um, yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? Like you, you're screaming, um, shouting, and support them so hard from the the sidelines, and then you know one day uh, you meet your heroes. You are well, in the league of legends, Matthew. You're like in the same league as a legend. Oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. 
Um, but I would say between the coaches' box, there was about 500 games of AFL experience. So and uh, our coaches' box <laughs> contributed zero. <laughs> but won the same amount of finals as Joe. Oh, don't go, don't. <laughs> no, don't do that to my man. One of the greats and of the game. Te- mate. Technically, the same amount of brown lows. If oh, you want to be technical, no, about it. Oh, oh, no, you're out, Laura. You are. You're, you're going on the Collingwood podcast. That's disgusting. Now, take off your Richmond jumper. Yeah, I, I don't, if you're Trent Cochin or Sam Mitchell, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. Don't you do not. You can accept the middle. So no, Trent Cochin just retired, right? So he's going to retire as a Brownlow medalist. Like that, that is, is the biggest man. crock of shit I've ever heard. Oh, can I say that? Um, well, you have now. The, the biggest <laughs> crock of BS I've ever heard in my whole life. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 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 well, and we're not biased at all. Give so, us, but uh, Job, if you're listening, mate, well done. Congrats. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. <laughs> um, so let's get this pod back on track. So yeah. we're jumping let's into. Let's take a break because the listeners like a song midway through uh they do but they're not getting one this week because we're running out of time it's been almost an hour and i gotta get this edited and get to ben so mm, you your lack of commitment still disgusts me you clearly learned nothing last week nothing oh. except for my fantastic fading timing to that was exceptional the max that was exceptional max. and do you know how i know that because i listened back because i want to be better yeah, excellent. Hey, so, you can't you can't call into question his commitment when he's literally here every single week. Has you could count on your hands the number of times he's missed an episode. Uh, that it, that have you been true. the last few weeks, Matthew? No, but I'm saying Nick <laughs> been here. Well, okay, we've done a few weeks in a row. Great, Nick's 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 bloody week in to, week oh, out. Hundred games, mate. He's about to run through the banner. When this podcast goes out, he didn't run through the banner. Ash is going to be holding it. <laughs> Just Ash. Ash and Ellie are going to be holding the banner. By the way, we were watching... Bye. Um, have a good day. The, this podcast is, is way off the rails. We were watching footy on Saturday night and or Saturday afternoon. Ellie was there. And after the game, she's walking around the living room and she's shouting, Ball! Because we must have yelled it so many times in the TV. So she's walking around, she's got her soft toys. Oh, it's very funny. Very, very That kid funny. is off the charts. Mm. He's, she's, uh, yeah, she's starting to babble, isn't she? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I'm here for it. Um, it's very cute. So, so Saturday, 4.35, Giants Stadium, the well, second worst behind GMHBA Stadium in the AFL. Basketball Stadium. Very, very big game. Uh, if we, so I was on the ladder predictor, and if we win this and the game against Collingwood, there's a potential that we finish sixth with games going how you would expect. We finish sixth and we play a seventh placed St Kilda in the first final. Or that reverses. They can go sixth. If, if we win our, our next two games, we end up with sixth. It's possible if results go uh, how you would expect. Yeah, right. So, big game. And I just wanted to discuss the ins and outs for this. There is the word on the street that we will welcome back. Sam Draper, Jake Stringer, Will Setterfield, 
and potentially dry tool well. That is for very big ends for this game. And given their performance on the weekend against Port Adelaide, they did not look good at all, the old GWS Giants. They played late yesterday afternoon, didn't they? Mm, yeah, I watched that game. So I know nothing about what happened. Someone someone tell me. Uh, Port just smashed them. Yeah, right. Smashed them at the contest and were really efficient going forward. Yeah, they looked... Hopefully, they've hit their form slump, just as we're hopefully coming out of ours. What are your guys' thoughts? My thoughts are, I don't know if this will come through. <laughs> I don't know if that came through. But that uh, definitely that did not big. come through. Oh, what, that was whistling was that? the uh, that, 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 that. Can we please speak about how great their song is? It is not great. It is terrible. It is overrated. I think I'll agree with that. It is. I would go as far as to say that they have the best song in the AFL. No. Mate, you are killing yourself. You go on the GWS podcast. You know the drum? You know when they're like, there's a big, big sound from the west of the town. It's the sound of the mic or whatever it is. Anyway, I rate the song. I do do think Richmond probably have the best one. Um, Disagree. I'll I'll give them that. Ours is okay. I I think Essendon has the best one. Ours is lame. No, ours is the best one. I'm going to go GWS West Coast. And then I'm not sure. Anywho, we digress. Anyway, how does this evolve into songs, right? We're talking about the game on Sunday afternoon. We're losing Bernard. It's it's funny, Nick. Uh, we we can really swing on this show. We can have the most in-depth football-based discussions, and then just this is r- rubbish. <laughs> no one wants to hear. But hopefully, he's just laughing along. But anyway, I'm back here to for GWS. the rubbish. There's well, no way we're winning this game. Well, okay, well, let's pack up. A good night. Good night. Great to see everyone. <laughs> That's the last episode for the year. Done. Thank good. You. It's it's been great. Um, no, I actually think we win. I, I've <laughs> I think I've got a theory to come down to that Collingwood game. I've Me got too. To, I, I really feel it. Oh my god! Um, Friday night, and uh, don't like it. But mm. Friday night. Well, I think. Look, the reality is, if we're going to make finals, we have to win these two. There's no question. You, you know, you yeah. lose one. Or you lose, well, certainly if you lose both, you're out. You lose one, you're out. Um, I, so Collingwood are playing Brisbane on Friday night. And I think if they win that, that guarantees them a top two finish, which then I think they'll put the queue in the rack for the last round. They are so banged up at the moment that I think they genuinely will put the queue in the rack and have two weeks, have a deload week and then a reload week. if. If you know what I mean, Matthew yeah. and Laura. Yeah. So, so, so uh, you're saying that there will be a little collusion between the coaches to allow the Bombers to scrape into the finals, and for the first time in probably 20 years, have the three great clubs, Collingwood, Carlton, and Essendon, make it. Uh, no, I don't think there'll be any collusion. I think <laughs> Collingwood will rest their players, not caring about the Essendon result, obviously trying to win, not caring about the result. But then if we get over the Giants, we've got real big incentive to get that win, and I think that might get us over the line. Um, But I think bringing back, assuming they're fit, a Draper, a Stringer, 
and certainly Setterfield's fit. I think that's very, very, the three very good inclusions for us uh, coming up against GWS. Uh, who comes out is the question. I reckon uh, Snelling's going out. I, I think it's the small forwards, right? I think maybe, depends on if Caldwell's fit or not. Um, for me, I think you probably get Kelly and Snelling and Phillips out. It looked like that on the weekend, didn't it? Phillips bringing his family, running out onto the ground with them. I think uh, maybe Brad said to him, given you're retiring, let's get some games into this Drake and Brian combo. Uh, what do you, you think you would? Do you think you would do that, though? Like, if we're genuinely a chance to play finals, right? Nick Bryan has been good, but do you – I think that Phillips still brings an experience and a composure that would be beneficial running into a, a final series. Like, I think with our season still being alive and the possibility of playing finals and him having his quote-unquote – breakout season I don't know that you're finishing him even yeah, though I, agree. I, I don't yeah but the writing was on the wall a little bit wasn't it like that he brought mm. his family well especially Draper coming back from injury right I think for me I'd rather have Phillips shouldering 60 or 70 percent of rough time and Draper eased back in rather than vice versa because he's but, not going to be match fit right yeah, yeah so it's either Draper or um, of Phillips or Brian going out um, for Draper to come in, and then mm. um, probably Kelly out for Setterfield, uh, mm. and then Snelling for Stringer, maybe Snelling or yeah. Menzi for Stringer. Uh, I think you, we've got more out of Menzi than we have out of Snelling. Sorry, I'm not Matthew, maybe, but maybe Cox out um, for one of them. I, I would take Cox out for sure. Mm. Mm, it's an interesting one, is it? I, I, I don't think, um, if we're a finals chance, I think playing Draper and Phillips makes more sense. I don't, mm-hmm. uh, Philip Brian's okay, but I, him and Phillips, Phillips is is probably the number one choice. Mm-hmm. They're an I, AFL and level, also, so. given that Brian has come in and has been playing with Phillips, right? So Brian and Draper don't necessarily have that same chemistry that, Phillips and Draper had. So if you're trying to make the finals, I think it makes more sense to drop Brian, given mm. that they've Phillips and Draper have already had were quite a good team earlier this season. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Look, I'll, yeah. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Do, do, do you think Guelphie stays in? I think after his last quarter, he he stays in. I think but he's I, done enough. I but I agree that his last few weeks have been pretty poor. I just don't think he gives us. I don't get me wrong. He he um gives a great like he, he's always works as hard as anyone. Gives a great contest, but mm. he, he's not, look. He's not like a. He kick a heap of goals. Doesn't break lines. It's not but who comes in then? Like he, I guess he was he, last year. He was last year, but he's not this year for whatever reason. If you had and a I choice, like him, him and Sardis play the same position, right? Essentially. Mm. So who are you I keeping out of those answer, two? But he's, he's not there yet. Um, That's what I mean. So this season it would make more sense to then drop him back to VFL and keep Guelphie in because I think Guelphie has more AFL runs on the board. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Look, it's it's going to be – it's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have a fit stringer, a fit setter field, uh, a fit draper, 
Fit Caldwell or coming into the team. Um, I think a centre field is no brainer for Jake Kelly, right? If if Jake Kelly's going to be playing up the ground, because Jake Kelly's been moving through the wing and half forward, and I just think centre field will be better at that role. Same big body can do the mm. same thing. Yeah, for Kelly, Kelly may move back for Cox. Yeah, he might. He might. So I would be Cox dropping Cox if I was on the selection panel. I'd be dropping Cox. Mm. So look, yeah, I'm we'll see. I'm I'm not overly confident, uh, but I think it's a 50-50 game. I don't think – if you told me two weeks ago, excuse me, are we going to win this game? I'd say no. Now, seeing the you know the last couple of weeks and, and how they've played last week, I, I think it's a 50-50. I think it's winnable. I, I don't know that we'll win, but I think it's it is winnable. I agree. I, I definitely think – thinking with a season on the line, like I, I think we've – you know, there's a chance we play with that sort of nothing to lose mentality, maybe a bit um, more, uh, uh, or ha- yeah, happy to sort of play a bit freer and, and, and move the ball, take more risk, really is what mm. I'm trying to say. So. I don't think I've um, ever seen Essendon play that way, ever. Yeah, um, we have. Yeah, yeah. Wusha, we, we, we played uh, oh, yeah, I mean, one, one speed, <laughs> and then we got stuck. And, you know, I have to be honest. If if we win this week and we're going into round 23 with our season still alive, regardless of what happens from that point, I'm content with the season. I'm still content yep. with the season regardless. Yeah. Even if we yeah. win the next, even if we lose the next two games, I'm still happy with the season. Mm-hmm. I think I think turning up and being like every week we have a chance to win this with the exception of when they started playing twice against Geelong, but Mm. turning up every week feeling like we have a genuine chance and having consistency in what they're bringing, um, which is pretty much what we've had all season, Mm. um, I'm content with this season. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, 11 wins wins is a win. We've, We've won 11, haven't we? Well, 11 we've won wins 11 is actually so 11 wins. Yeah, so yeah. we've won 11 so far. If we were losing, 11 wins is a tick. It's mm. an improvement on last year. Le- and they're bringing a good brand. Mm. Yeah, that's it. You can see some structure and some. there is development and progress being made. So, yeah, it's, it's, this year's a tick. Um, but the mm. stakes, like we've seen in the past, the, the expectations do go up somewhat next year. So. Um, mm-hmm. which is probably unfair, but um, we'll see. So, four thirty-five Saturday afternoon, Giant Stadium. Hopefully, we get the win, and when we come back next week, we've got a live season. But thank you for joining me, team. You're welcome. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Find us at Bubba's pizza um, Wait, are we gonna um be maddie are you coming to um the don father's house for a 435 game for some bubba's pizza at halftime uh I, I i could um it could be a chance for that um, maybe we'll see so we'll uh we'll catch you all uh same time next week uh just, just a question nick uh if yeah. you are ordering bubba pizza uh, what is it you're exactly going for? 
the nine ninety. What is it called? Bubba's. It's the unbubba believable special. Uh, That's right. Un, I've been saying it wrong the whole time. It's unbubba believable range nine ninety. <laughs> any pizza on that menu, uh, large. It is actually cheaper to buy a large than it is to buy a small from the unbubba believable range. So, uh, cost of living pressures. Absolutely, the cost of living pressures. Uh, they obviously aren't affecting Bubba Pizza because they're just giving pizzas away and you can make yourself a beneficiary of that by we hopping can on get uh, Foodsy, the website. And, uh, yes, we were quite lucky. Uh, Bubba have, have uh, shared us a couple of pizzas. So Bring uh, your own pineapple, though, because Hawaiian is not on the menu. Matthew, you are doing great things for this pod. Sponsorships. Joe, Joe Watson. Watson, you are the no Messiah. Way. Oh, t- hey, you've put that, that. That's not in writing, but it is on audio recording. It cannot be the Messiah. In the court of law, uh, but also uh, I, I do not take the place of the Heavenly Father and his son. So uh, no, <laughs> Stop I'm not talking Messiah. about James Heard like that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. Very good. But uh, once again, the unbubble level range nine ninety. Any large pizza on that plane. <laughs> I recommend the Roman. I recommend the Roman. What's on the Roman? Very, very good. Uh, a bit What's of salami, olives, mushroom, a bit of mozzarella cheese. Uh, just a great option. All I'm things that Romans good. ate a lot of. I'm sold. Uh, yeah. So the Roman, very, very good. Get yourself stuck into it. Cost of living, you're going to keep that down if you go to Baba Pizza. And until next time. Thank you.